Welcome to Real Time Real Estate, a podcast brought to you by St. Louis Realtors, your voice for real estate. I'm Charlie Hinderleiter, Director of Government Affairs for St. Louis Realtors, and today we're here to talk about this year's legislative session in the Missouri General Assembly. Today we have with us Sam Licklider, Chief Lobbyist for Missouri Realtors, and Jason Zamkis, Contract Lobbyist for Missouri Realtors. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Charlie. Thank you. Today, we're here to talk about the priorities of Missouri Realtors and how they fared in the legislative session. We're going to talk about the legislative wins of Missouri Realtors, both big and small on offense and defense. And in fact, a couple of those are legislation to remove restrictive covenants was passed by the General Assembly. Clear title legislation to address vacancy issues in the city of St. Louis was passed. Uh, We had two defensive wins protecting the low income housing tax credit and the initiative petition process that Missouri Realtors used so successfully in 2010 to ban transfer taxes in the state of Missouri, and in 2016 to prohibit sales tax on services. And we'll also get a feel for this year's legislative session, which was distinct to say the least. So Sam and Jason, would you start us off by talking about what were Missouri Realtors' priorities going into this legislative session? Missouri Non-Discrimination Act, prohibition on eviction moratoriums ensuring that low-income housing tax credits stay the way they are, and the ability to remove restrictive covenants from the recorded document. Then, of course, we got into the whole issue of initiative petition reform and the material that the St. Louis Realtors brought to us And I have to confess, I was talking to some people and they said, what does this do? And I said, you know what, I'm not sure. But people that know a lot more about the issues in the St. Louis area than I do say it's a good thing. It will help reduce vacancies. So pass it. And they apparently believe me because they did. Well, Sam, that's fantastic. So that's six issues that you had on the agenda Uh, that came from the Missouri Realtors Advocacy Committee and the St. Louis Realtors Advocacy Committee. So let's go through those one by one. So Mona, the Missouri Non-Discrimination Act. And for our listeners, if you want to go back and learn more about Mona, we did an episode on that in March of 2021. So Sam, this was what, the 24th year that Mona was filed, I think? Oh, something like that. It simply provides the same protections that everyone else enjoys to people based on uh, sexual orientation or gender identity. In the current climate in the General Assembly of Missouri, it is a difficult issue to even discuss. I have had all sorts of people speaking very strongly that they don't understand why we're involved in this. And I explained to them that it's simply a, an issue of how are we going to continue to grow the state if corporations take a look at Missouri and decide that our laws are unfriendly to some of their people. That's it. It it, it does not even say, yeah, we agree with what these folks are doing. There are people that have significant religious and social objections to it. I'm not going to get into that. What it is, is everyone is treated equally. That's it. No more, no less. Jason, you want to do evictions? Sure. Prior to the the pandemic, I don't think um, any of us really envisioned a situation where uh, local governments would take it upon themselves to uh, institute a moratorium on eviction proceedings. 
obviously with what we saw with the CDC at the, the federal level and anecdotally, um, it, most, most notably in, in some of our more urban areas here in Missouri, uh, there are uh, localities and elected officials of local governments and, and, and judges for that matter, who have taken it upon themselves to institute and enforce uh, eviction moratoriums. In fact, I believe the uh, sheriff of the city of St. Louis has nothing to do with the pandemic whatsoever, but he has his own eviction moratoriums that run uh, towards the end of November through the beginning of January every year. And so uh, we, we found a number of elected officials in the General Assembly who, who felt as if this was an inappropriate action of local governments and decided to file some bills. We had Chris Brown from Kansas City, Jim Murphy from St. Louis County, and then Senator Andrew Koenig, also of St. Louis County, that each filed individual bills on, on that issue, uh, specifically prohibiting local governments or courts from imposing or enforcing eviction moratoriums. None of those bills as a standalone uh, made it to the governor's desk. They were the, the provisions were amended onto a variety of different bills throughout the course of the, the session. And unfortunately, the, the one bill that had almost all of uh, the realtor priorities for this session, uh, 1662, contained the eviction moratorium language in the Senate substitute, but it was stripped off uh, during debate in the Senate and, and ultimately did not make it to the governor's desk. All right. So those are two issues that we were trying to pass that we were unsuccessful on. But now we've got four priorities that we did find success on. Uh, so let's kick it over to, to Sam and Jason to talk about LIHTC and where we were successful in protecting the low-income housing tax credit. LIHTC is, is always somewhat of a problem child because people don't understand it. It was designed by a Republican president, Ronald Reagan, and a, a Republican officeholder, Jack Kemp, to take from the government the role of building and managing housing, which they don't do a very good job at. Um, I'm sure most of the folks in the audience uh, have heard of or even remember Pruitt-Igoe, a, an absolute disaster. And it simply helped developers to do small spotted projects around an area for low-income families, substantially a lot of elderly folks and, and, and low-income workers. It's been used throughout the state. There are a number of projects in the St. Louis area that have proven to be very effective. Problem is everybody sees the money going out and doesn't see or they, they pretend not to see the value of it. The governor, after Governor Greitens basically shut the program down. After uh, Governor Parson came in, he opened up the program on a limited basis. The tax credits are limited to 70% of the federal credit. And they have done, I think, a, a remarkably good job in making those credits work. We have a choice. We can either you, you've got to put people someplace and pe some people just don't have any place to go. So you've got to either have government build it, which is a horrible idea, or you have to have private developers build it and they need some help in order to keep the rents low. Now, the argument has been, well, they build these things to last. And yes, they do, because they have to keep them for they have to keep them operating for 30 years. So you don't put in the cheapest components you can find because then you're going to be uh, spending a whole lot of money on redoing them. 
there have always been bills in to make it make the 70 percent statutory. We'd like to keep that uh, an administrative thing. So if we find a grave need for more tax credits, we can do it rather rapidly rather than wait for the General Assembly to come in, argue for weeks and then perhaps do nothing. We'll be right back. And now I'd like to welcome our 2022 Platinum Sponsor, USA Mortgage. Here to tell us more is Katie Otto, Vice President of Realtor Relations. Thank you, Jennifer. At USA Mortgage, we absolutely love our partnership with St. Louis Realtors. We have so many of the same values, and we love supporting the realtor community, their initiatives, fair housing, personal property rights. USA Mortgage is local. We're just down the street at Olive and 270 here in St. Louis. In April, we celebrated our 21st birthday and we're a completely employee owned company. So I think that really makes us unique in our culture. And because we are local, we do everything in-house. So if any of the realtors want to reach out to me at any time to learn more about the awesome resources we have available, we have a phenomenal marketing department where we do a lot of co-marketing. This includes print, digital. We have a full staff, graphic designers, brand strategists, and Part of our culture at USA Mortgage is that we really embrace marketing and technology, helping the realtors and their clients get through the loan process from start to finish. We can do the entire process digitally. So make sure you reach out to your USA Mortgage Loan Officer for more information because we want to help you get your clients in the home of their dreams. That's what we do at USA Mortgage. We're the home of possibility. And now back to the show. So next up, we had a big win that Cross the finish line just in the last hours of the session, which is the ability to remove restrictive covenants, um, particularly um, racially restrictive covenants from deeds. And this was actually a recommendation from the Presidential Advisory Group, or PAG, that met last year at St. Louis Realtors. And if you want to learn more about that, you can find an episode on that from uh, January of this year. But Sam and Jason, you want to talk about the importance of this legislation and, and man, you guys just did an awesome job getting that over the finish line there, just under the wire. With regard to restrictive covenants, we had uh, Representative Craig Fischel from Springfield file the bill for us. And and specifically what the bill was intended to address were restrictive covenants that are placed in deeds. And, and this was predominantly prior to uh, the 1950s. In fact, in 1948, uh, the United States Supreme Court in a landmark case, Shelley versus Kramer, struck down the covenants that would limit occupancy or ownership based on uh, race, ethnicity, and or religious background. Craig filed the bill for us. It was a a single subject bill. It was a consent bill. Uh, Oddly enough, Craig is also the chairman of the uh, House Consent Committee. Uh, It was unanimously approved uh, in, in both judiciary in the House and then the consent committee in the House. It went over to the Senate where it languished like so many other uh, pieces of legislation for literally weeks upon weeks. Um, We were very fortunate uh, to have Senator Andrew Koenig uh, handle the bill for us in the Senate. And in doing so, he incorporated a number of other very beneficial uh, provisions as as it relates to the Realtors Association. Uh, Those included the uh, prohibition on homeowners associations, Uh, prohibiting the uh, postage of for sale signs. It also limited local government's ability to regulate home-based businesses that are of no impact, meaning that you basically can't see the activity that's going on from the street. And it's obviously a lawful, otherwise lawful business. 
Uh, and then obviously the, the restrictive covenants as well. And then the clear title legislation that was brought to us by the St. Louis Realtors. The home-based business, which, by the way, passed the House, uh, I think, 98 to something. That significantly upset the Missouri Municipal League. And I, I'm not sure why, because I think it's fairly benign. Craig Fischel had been a city councilman or whatever they call him in Springfield. So he got calls from both the city manager of the city of Springfield and the mayor of the city of Springfield, fairly firmly asking him not to uh, carry the bill forward. And other people got calls as well. We discussed it and Craig decided to move forward with the bill. There was a lot of anxiety about what was going to happen. I made an absolute pest of myself with several members of the General Assembly, but that's my job. And finally, what was that, Jason, about two o'clock? Oh, yeah. It, it was, I, if it wasn't the last bill that was truly agreed to and finally passed by the legislature, it was the next to the last bill. It, yeah. We sat there with our fingers crossed, uh, just, just hoping that, that the floor leader was going to bring the bill up because we knew we had the votes. It was just a matter of whether or not there was a willingness on the part of leadership and our bill sponsor at that point to actually bring it up for a vote. And we did. And it passed. 90, what, 94. Um, there were several Republicans who had been in, uh, in city offices before that voted against it. So I assume substantially because of the home-based business stuff. Almost all, I believe, of the Democrats voted against it, but that's their right. I'm not sure why they did, but then again, they, they have the authority to do that. It's got a lot of good stuff in it. I mean, the, the whole issue of restrictive covenants is, I think, a major win for the association. I, I think the, um, the material that the St. Louis Association brought, uh, although I admit I don't understand it, uh, but people that, that do that sort of thing for a lot of time, for a lot of years, do and say it's good. And anything we can do to help the city uh, reduce the vacancies and, and bring it back to what it used to be, I think is a, an absolute plus. And it, it, it provided a home for a lot of little things. Um, there is now a provision that requires a marital status of the grantor uh, to be listed on the, uh, on the recorded documents. And I assume that's so somebody doesn't get into a situation where dower rights are involved. I think it's a good bill. I am, I'm very proud of it. And that restrictive covenant bill, I think, was a huge win, Sam. I think you're exactly right about that. And St. Louis Realtors are very grateful for the work that you guys did in getting the clear title legislation across the finish line. Um, that was one that was filed for the first time last year mm -hmm. and was the product of a clear title working group with a vacancy collaborative. Um, so St. Louis Realtors was very happy to be able to assist in making that happen. It's critical that we reduce the vacant properties in the city of St. Louis. We know vacant properties tend to be a magnet for crime and other bad things. And in a time when we've got an inventory shortage, anything we can do to get these properties where they have clear title, where somebody can buy them from the Land Reutilization Authority or LRA and get them back in private hands, that's good for realtors, that's good for neighborhoods, that's good for bankers, that's good for everybody. Um, so that was just a fantastic win and we're very appreciative of that. All right, I think the last one we have on our list is initiative petition reform. Tell us about that defensive point. Um, there has been for the last several years 
members of the General Assembly who strongly believe that something something needs to be done. The definition of something is fairly broad about initiative petitions. I, I think what uh, what really got the Republican caucus was the passage of uh, Medicaid expansion and to a lesser degree right to work. But I, I think in some cases they may be a little bit correct because we've got we're getting a fairly fat constitution uh, simply because up until probably the puppy mill bill, which was 10 years ago, roughly, um, if something passed as a statutory initiative, then the General Assembly typically left it alone. They said the people have spoken. We're not going to fiddle with it. Let it happen. After puppy mill, that changed it. And so now if you're going to spend the money that it costs and, and the time, effort, and energy that it takes to do an initiative petition, you're going to amend the Constitution because that cannot be undone by the General Assembly except by another vote of the people. That being said, some of the proposals were fairly far out there. I asked the National Association of Realtors to do a poll on the on the subject and i wanted it to be a very accurate poll i did not want it to be um slanted in any way and they did that and they did a great job uh it showed that while the general assembly thinks initiative petition reform is needed most of the public does not it also showed and this was kind of striking to me that 45 percent of those polled and this was about a about an 800 sample because they used some, uh, they used phone interviews and they also used uh, online interviews. Actually, Jean Evans and I were talking uh, and she was a member of the General Assembly, a realtor, and now is a lobbyist. And uh, we were talking about the issue in the rotunda and she looked over at me. She said, are you doing a poll? I said, yeah. She said, I think I answered it last night. I didn't ask her what she said. 45% of the member of the people polled said that they would be less likely to vote for a member of the General Assembly who supported initiative petition reform versus something like 18% who would be more likely to vote for them and the rest simply don't care. We had a proposal which was significantly trimmed down. Initiative petition reform passed the House in two forms. Uh, came to the Senate. Uh, Senator Sandy Crawford, chairman of elections, uh, worked on it. Um, we worked with Senator Crawford, uh, had a meeting of the uh, advocacy committee, and then a subsequent vote by the executive committee to be neutral on, not to support or oppose the proposal that they had, which was essentially you had to have 60% of the vote if it were to raise taxes, to do a new tax or fee, or cause the uh, state to expend more than $10 million. That was discussed for about five hours, I think, in the Senate, laid over and never seen again. It will be back. It's one of Dean Blocker's uh, priorities. Uh, and we're going to try to work with Dean and the other people over the interim and see if we can't come to a conclusion that is not totally destructive. And Missouri Realtors has had great success using the initiative petition process in 2010, banning transfer taxes in the state of Missouri in 2016, 
prohibiting sales tax on services. I mean, those are two major victories for our members and for a lot of other professions that Missouri Realtors was able to secure via the initiative petition process. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's, it's work, work for us. And the proposal that was before the legislature in front of the Senate, actually, that Sam and I worked to negotiate some of the language on would have preserved the realtor's ability, uh, had that been in place at that time, to use the initiative petition process to, to gain voter approval for those very measures. All right. So we've had uh, of our six priorities you guys talked about, uh, we had four ones, uh, two that will be back fighting again next year as well as a, another minor victory or two regarding HOAs and for sale signs. Um, but this session was distinct. 43 bills passed. That's the lowest number in, in, in modern history. Um, 98% of the bills that were filed failed. Um, the Senate ended the day early, which from what I hear is the first time it's ever happened since we had that constitutionally mandated date where the session ends. Um, and, and remarkably, we were still successful in, in getting some things passed, but can can you guys give us a little bit of a flavor of, of what that legislature was like this year? So I've been in the Capitol, not nearly as long as Sam has, but it, it was certainly the most unique session that I've ever witnessed. The animosity in the Senate, there were personal attacks uh, from Senator to Senator, Senator to another Senator's staff. I mean, just things that previously would, would have never even been contemplated. And because of a lot of that animosity, there, there was relatively no action on the part of the Senate for the vast majority of the first two thirds of the legislative session. I I recall going to spring break and I think there was, I think one bill had passed and it was the supplemental appropriations bill. And at that point, maybe three Senate bills had made it to the house, which is just unfathomable. It it was an interesting uh, climate to have to work in because at times it felt as if you were seen with with one legislator, suddenly you became another legislator's enemy, even though Sam and I are just there to represent the interests of the realtors. It was very divisive. And we had to do a lot, I think, strategically to try to put ourselves and our, our, our proposals in the best position possible in the hopes that there would be a thawing of relations at some point later in the session. And, and we would be optimally positioned to hopefully land some provisions on the governor's desk. Now we'll let Sam go ahead and tell you how it really was. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing this for a long time and I've never seen it like this. It used to be, you know, that senators would get on the floor and fight each other and then go to a senator's office and perhaps have a chat or an adult beverage. Um, there were a couple of times when I actually expected gunfire to erupt. I don't know how hard I expected it, but it was scary. I mean, it really, it, it, it was. I have never seen people with that much animosity. Uh, and, and all about a map. The proposal was to have a, a 7-1 map or a 6-2 map. We ended up, by the way, with a 6-2 map. But yeah, it, it was not fun. Um, I, it, it, it was and it wasn't. I mean, you kind of had to watch your step and you didn't want to uh, say anything untoward to anyone. Uh, and by that, I mean, uh, you didn't want to say hi to one senator while you were talking to another senator because they may be at that point bitter enemies. And, and they took that stuff seriously. I have no idea what's going to happen next. And that map Sam's referring to is the congressional redistricting map that was the center of so much of this contention. And one of the things that I think was wild is there are 34 senators in Missouri 
Um, we have a, a pretty small Democratic caucus that's not always the most relevant, although they certainly wield more power in the Senate with the filibuster. But a lot of this re- Republican on Republican infighting where the Democrats just got to you know grab a piece of popcorn and, and, and just watch the show um, where you had the Senate leadership and, and what sometimes are called the Republican regulars versus the conservative caucus. that was really the flashpoint of a lot of this. So I think that's something that that maybe wasn't what everybody might expect when we think about, you know, uh, fireworks in the Senate, so to speak. No, it was um, it was truly fascinating. I, I will say that the uh, the Senate leadership pulled a rabbit out of the hat with the uh, the last day of the session, which was the second to the last day of everybody else's session. and. Uh, not and just discharging that bill from committee and and going directly to it. It upsets several people, but that's okay. Jason and Sam, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Charlie. It's been it's been fun. Thanks, Charlie. You guys did remarkable work this year um, with the realtors that joined you guys in the Capitol on Realtor Days and and the fantastic efforts of your lobbying. We were really able to get two major victories in terms of legislation passed, two major victories in terms of legislation defeated, as well as a couple of smaller wins. Truly fantastic work. We really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Time Real Estate, a podcast brought to you by St. Louis Realtors. Join us next time for more on real estate news, trends, and industry insights. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. St. Louis Realtors, your voice for real estate.